Okay. Uh, Zivon did not like it. <laughs> no, just let, just shoot from the hip. Okay. Okay. Hello and welcome back to Famous Last Words, a making film, film appreciation, film, a film podcast, a film podcast. We're the only one on you on pot on uh, Apple Podcasts, I guess. We're the only filmmaking podcast. What is this, that... is this the age of misinformation? I don't know. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so we're one of the film podcasts on. We are one of them. We are one of them. You're right. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Well, thanks for joining us once again. All right. Yeah. Welcome back. This is our, uh, I believe, 65th episode Wahoo. of all time. Wow. Amazing. Right. We did about half of them in one month, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> this is fun. It is fun. Thank you for being here. Who are you? Me? Yeah, you. Thank you. Thank me for being here? Well, no, thank thank you, the listener, but who are oh, you? Oh, okay. I'm There's Teresa of... Separated. Famous Last Words, Teresa Alden. Oh, I'm Andrew Alden of Famous Last Words. Oh, excellent. Yes. And what are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about... Oh, oh, oh. Computer almost went to sleep. That would have been dicey. From uh, 2021, allegedly, uh, Coconata's After Yang. Come on, Yang. What are you doing? Co- come on. What happened to Yang? I don't know. He shut down last night. He won't restart. Has this happened before? No. So, yeah, the reason I say allegedly is like movies have their festival premiere and then they have their actual, you know, it's always kind of fuzzy about when they do these things. But um, Mm. After Yang is a story about a family with uh, two do- two so- two children and the one of the children is a is an android who is supposed to help the younger sibling the daughter integrate into life being a adopted uh, child and being able to be adopted and, and come to peace with her who she is as a Chinese person and who she is as a, a daughter and a companion essentially that teaches her things uh, 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 open your box older sibling yeah yep you can just order one on the internet you can just get a, a yang certified 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 refurbished. certified refurbished which is a bit that the, he definitely liked because he brought it up like three times it was good um it also has uh, i guess um like parts of the, the 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 story are integral to that 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 point which is probably why they bring it up three times mm-hmm. um the movie uh Koganata has made two movies did we talk about columbus we did talk yeah. about columbus on the podcast um and the his movies are kind of visual poetry, and this one even more so uh, than uh, even uh, Columbus. Uh, the movie stars Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner Smith as a married couple who maybe are not so connected with each other. It's not cl- quite clear what's mm-hmm. going on between the two of them. Um, and then uh, Justin H. Min, who is I believe Yang, uh, and it has bit characters in it like Clifton Collins Jr. who plays his neighbor uh, Sarita Chandri Chanherdi uh, as the lead as the uh, like represented from a museum about uh, they call them technos about uh, synthetic humans and uh, Haley Lou Richardson as is this a spoiler? 
maybe it's a spoiler. Okay, spoiler. Spoiler. Um, as a clone, she's a clone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's friend clo- of Yang. Friend of Yang. Yang friend. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the movie is it's a fast movie. I mean, it's like not an overly long movie. It's like an hour and a half, and the movie is poetry. I mean, essentially. Yeah, and it's about memories, so that you know you can really go deep into the <laughs> poetic visuals of memories and and playing around with that because. Well, the main thing with Yang is um, he's an older model. And so, and they, they don't discover this until a little later, but he's an older Spoiler. model. Yeah. And so they discover that he has, when he's he's kind of broken, he's shut down and they're trying to like get him repaired. Um, and he takes him to sort of an off book repairman and they like go into the core and they take out um, what they think is like a, just like a, a, a drive to I think it's spyware. Like spyware, that's what it's called. Yeah, where they basically are listening, and but then they find out it's actually like this old tech that they discontinued, like after the first model or something. Uh, after the early models, because it was like uh, privacy it, laws. Yeah, so it's a memory bank. So it's like recording specifically memories. Not every memory, but the ones that feel like core memories. We'll use that as like. I mean, that is what it is. It's like that new like term. Ten, core. Se- 10 second. Yeah. So like that new trendy term is like core memory. That's like, oh, this is the core memory, guys. But it's literally like playing on like these are the core memories of an AI's life. And it was an experiment to see like what artificial intelligence would pick up on. as Deems like, important. Exactly. Deems important. So um, after Yang is like basically shut down and they're trying to figure out if he can ever be repaired. Um, spoiler, he doesn't. And um, Colin Farrell gets access to the memory core and um, watches it like a movie. Right. Initially, he kind of uh, is doing it to kind of see he's you put this really well earlier today. You said that he's kind of experiencing his daughter's childhood because he was maybe not completely mentally present during his child's childhood. Yeah. So that's like what I picked on is like the main emotional theme is that like. Her parents aren't completely present, especially the father. Like, she indicates earlier that she doesn't want to, like, hang out with her father. Um, The mom's like, no, like, be nice and blah, blah, blah. Um, And so he starts to, like, watch Yang's memories of their family and growing up with... um, Mika. Mika, yeah. And he gets to experience Mika's childhood through Yang's memories. And, like, it does two things. It, It makes him feel... Like, he's missed out. He's been, like, disconnected to his family emotionally. And then it allows him to connect with Mika subtly, like, throughout the film. Right. And in some ways, he also connects to Yang, who definitely Mm -hmm. has become more of a son to... um... Well, I have a theory about this. This is why I'm I'm balking here. (laughs) I think that Yang is very obviously supposed to be a sibling is like face value. I think that Yang is actually a parent. I think that Yang is a parent. Because, mm-hmm. okay, the, blowing the movie wide open, in accessing Yang's memories, you know, the whole line throughout the thing is he he stayed only at a household for five days before he ended up with Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, he's only five days used. He's not that used. He's, you know, whatever. It turns out that Yang is like 60 plus years old mm-hmm. because he has his initial memories his alpha bank memories 
and his alpha bank memories are decades of of being with this older woman who had a adopted Chinese son and the Chinese son eventually grew up and he stayed with the mother and the mother eventually died. Mm-hmm. And in meeting her, he also met Haley Lou Richardson, who was the great the, aunt. Yeah, the great aunt, the original of the clone that is the young woman he hang, Yang he hangs out with. He gets with, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because of... He was, they implied that they were in love or some kind of comparison, friendship comparison to the great aunt from 60 years ago. Right. And so I think it actually, it's a generational trauma story in the sense that like Colin Farrell doesn't feel connected to his daughter and he also doesn't feel connected to his son slash parent because he's like, he doesn't even understand like Mm -hmm. the way the elder is experiencing the same things he experienced and that, you know, I mean... I think there's like a parallel, like a thread in there that is supposed to be like we never really know anyone how they perceive memories and and yeah, true. And actually, that so I was going to ask you, like I didn't. There's this huge tea metaphor, like ancient tea traditions explanation. Like Colin Farrow has a whole shop dedicated to teas. He but doesn't sell tea crystals. He doesn't sell tea crystals, which I think is like the instant tea. Like people are like, why don't you have tea crystals? So. He believes in this ancient way of like making tea, which is just the normal way it's of like making alchemy. tea. Yeah. Um, and he, they go on and on about it like a lot. And so, like, what is the meaning of that? Like, is it that I was thinking like he's so he's more connected to the past than the the present? Like, he's so stuck in like the old ways of how things were. Um, but I'm wondering now if it's actually like what you're saying—a nod to like the generational trauma. Yeah, I mean. Because you know, thinking back on the movie now, after seeing after seeing the whole thing, the tea thing happens before you realize that Yang is old, um, and he's talking about how one day he wants to show teach Yang about his tea business because it's a it, it was traditionally more of a generational, mm. you know, family like you know you pass it on to your whatever whatever. Yeah, so that tracks. So that tracks. I also think it's just interesting in general. Interesting um, or boring. No, it's it, it's it's a little long in the tooth. It's it makes you think. It's a movie that's like definitely thoughtful. Yeah. Um, I I thought the tea thing was a little bit like he kept on bringing it up, and then he has a butterfly thing that he shares with the mom. Oh yeah. And that like that long lasts a long time. Um, yeah. He loves the movies of Robert Bresson, and like poetry of details is kind of his thing, and this movie is poetry to the details. Except why does he do so many wide shots if it's all poetry of detail? We can get to that. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, let's, let's, let's get <laughs> okay. into it. Let's get into it. Um, so the poet, the, so in the movie, the movie is shot very intentionally. And it really works in, in both Columbus and this movie have a very specific cinematic language. And it's a lot of wide shots. Let's, let's it has up. a language that I don't fully agree with. But yes. But both of them do. <laughs> both of them do. Have, you know, and I thought when we were watching Columbus, it has to do with like, our relationship to architecture you know it's like you mm-hmm. want these wide shots so that when you're looking at beautifully architecturally beautiful buildings which is like a thread throughout it's the t of that movie yeah right yeah. like people build buildings to be remembered blah 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 um i think that this movie like you said there's times where you really want to close up yeah yeah so i think the wide shots are beautiful but i think they would actually be more effective used a little bit more sparingly like it made sense in Columbus because they were talking about architecture so much. So that's okay. And like, 
same with this like they do set up the wide shots so beautifully and sometimes it is really nice to hold in there like particularly they have a scene with Mika and Yang in an apple orchard and the whole thing is like a wide and they like dolly as they move as they move and it's really beautiful and they don't go close until they like talk about one detail of the tree and I think that it's incredibly effective and was like a perfect example of it working and then they do like but then they do it constantly where everything they're having dialogue between two characters and they're in a wide shot and I cannot pay attention to the dialogue if it like stays in a wide I need to like see people's faces I need to read their emotion so like that's the downside I think of a wide shot because I think people some people more than others need to see human faces to understand what they're saying and how they're feeling Um, and so I think it's distracting and I like tune out if if I don't get that at all and then my other kind of like annoyance with it is this is all personal opinion. Um, when they do go into close, like they never use a tripod. Like it's always hand, wide and on a tripod hand. or handheld pretty significantly. And I do believe it was effective when talking about like the memories and the poetry of details, but it was just like two opposite ends and you can't like, it's for me, it's distracting as a viewer because I'm constantly thinking about like, where I am as the audience, like where I physically am and not where I am like emotionally. Mm -hmm. And for like a really emotional story, that kind of like takes you out of it. Yeah, I mean, wide shots take you out of it. There's a couple times, we watch the movie with subtitles because that's how we watch most movies. Um, If you were watching this in a theater, I think there'd be a lot you'd miss. Yeah, I would have no clue what half these conversations that are important because they're said. also a little bit whispery and a little bit like subdued and like they, you know, they're withdrawn, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the vibe. Yeah. And they're sad and they're mourning and blah, blah, blah. You know, not to make light of it. But, you know, like <laughs> that. Yeah, no, I I think the movie could benefit from a few more close ups. And I kind of like when you go in on a style. Yeah, that's true. You um, are confident in what you're doing and he is definitely. But I, 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 I'm I going to do a little looking around and talk if there's a... Uh, if he has reasons, I mean, he's an incredible, he's like, you know, a theologian for film. You know, he knows a lot. He thinks mm-hmm. a lot about it. He has a lot of opinions. Um, and he's very, very smart. And he's, I like his movies. I want to keep seeing what he's going to do. I'm interested to see his TV show uh, that he worked on. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. You're right. Like to watch a film with someone, by someone who loves film and loves dissecting it and knows so much about it. Like it is really great. To see his films. I mean, they're not perfect, which is fine. No one's films are perfect. But, like, it's it's an enjoyable watch, even if you are thinking about filmmaking during it, I guess. <laughs> or if you're not. I think it's a really interesting... Like, watching it, not judging the... You know, we didn't really judge. We were just kind of... I mean, I wasn't judging. I was just, like, watching and... and it's a really interesting movie that's so dedicated to wide shots in a way that like you it allows you time to think about the way that shot composition works. Mm-hmm. I'm so, always judging about shots. <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. But like I was I was buying the vibe. Yeah. And it's interesting when your mind kind of clicks in and be like, "Oh, what is the close up? What do you want to see?" cuz it like kind of lets you think about how wide shots are used in film. Mm-hmm. Like just from a purely thinking about movies kind of way, I think it's really valuable for that. I'm really into this movie, so yeah, no, I, I mostly liked it. Um, one of the things that I feel 
I feel better about it after reading a little bit about it, um, which I don't love for films like some. It's it, it's always interesting to read about films, but there was some things that were confusing that just um, made it so I didn't fully understand the story as well as I could have, which made it so I didn't fully understand the emotions as well as I could. Right. Um, like the two things, and so this is one of my critiques of it is that I understand. I'm pretty sure he was going into a film that is science fiction because it's based in the future and has robots or AI. And he very intentionally did not want to like make it a science fiction film, which I appreciate, but you miss the world building. It needed like a little bit of world building because even when you're trying to stay out of it, and I get it, why? You need to understand fundamental things about the place that you're in to understand the story. And so a couple of things that I read that I did not fully make the connection um, that really helped understand everything was that there was a, they allude to the fact that there's a, and, and this is really subtle, like I didn't get this at all until I read it, but there was like a six, 60 year war between China and the US. Right. And that's kind of what influenced all of the clothing and the design and the attitudes and um, maybe like adopting Chinese Americans and you don't really know and it's okay not to know everything but I think someone needed to say like 60 year war with China oh okay right yeah or at least made it yeah clear (laughs) and it made it it made it understand the timeline with Yang a lot better because when you start getting into the alpha memories, you're like, okay, it was like a lot in the past, but I can't figure out what. And then, um, well, you get that with the other child. Yeah. Yeah. You see that child grow up and he has a facial scar, which is also, you know, clearly the kid in the first, the alpha kid that you don't see has a facial scar. So you can kind of like track that person growing up. Oh yeah, totally. But like, I think it's implying that Yang has been around for 60 years or somewhere in that ballpark. And you don't know, you just know like, oh, he's been around a long time, but you don't know how long, you don't know. Like if you had known the 60 year war with China, China, you're like, oh, they're wearing more Western clothing. It's gotta be somewhere in that 60 years. Like, right. um, And then the clone thing, that clone and adoption is like alluding to maybe fertility issues which is fine you don't have to go into that but i think they needed to like go a little bit more into the clones because it felt or like adopting or having a clone because it felt kind of random and you had said this like i'm not sure if the clone thing was like i'm not sure if i agreed with that and i think it just wasn't fully integrated into the world that like what i think it is is that like not a lot of kids are being produced for whatever reason from traditional (laughs) ways um and you're like adopting for other countries or you're cloning or you just have ai um i don't know so i just felt like they needed like a few more world building things to really understand it yeah i mean it would have this movie actually would benefit from being slightly longer i feel like you know by like 10 minutes (laughs) yeah just Just a little bit explain it like also the yang interaction with the family could have benefited from being a little bit longer is there prejudice in the world against clones is like Colin Farrell a bigot or is he like on the which like yeah you know I mean I feel like her which is obviously a sharp contract like her is also a movie about the near future and it has to do with AI and it has to do with feelings and it has to do with all that Mm -hmm. uh same kind of world 
it does a pretty good job of like making it seem like yeah you don't need to have a movie where there's bigots and there's you know radicals it's <laughs> not children of men but like i feel like what her did a little bit better than after yang uh and i know they're really different movies but what it did is it made you realize kind of like oh these synthetic artificial intelligence operating systems is like something that there's people who have like real relationships with real other humans and there's Mm -hmm. people who have like a weird relationship with ai and like yeah you know it does a really good job of making it seem like there's a bigger world maybe i'm almost certain that spike jones probably had more money but like you know it's it there and it would have hit home another layer of an ai basically falling in love but at least fascinated with a clone and like that's it's its own cool thing, and like you kind of don't get any emotional connection to that. You just yeah. like, oh yeah, she's a clone. Oh yeah, he's an AI. Like it's weird that he was drawn to her and he found her and stuff. But yeah, just more layers. You're right. I think this is one film that I could have reduced some of the tea discussions and added some more world world building. <laughs> and those moments are really nice. I mean, he's making movies differently, and he's experimenting which i think is is yeah. always good um we have a mailbag question is that do we have, do we have the last word on uh, after you oh this well sure a positive thing because i feel like i've do we drag it too much i i do you like drag it, it too much. i always drag things <laughs> i have opinions um mm-hmm. i really enjoyed the opening credits where they're doing like that dance scene mm-hmm. and it's like cutting between different families doing this like choreographed online like dance competition and they're all in like cool color backgrounds and yeah. Tyvek suits and <laughs> it's really fun and but it made me wonder this is like several AI several movies about AI have like choreographed dance scenes and is it like coming from an original place like is there an AI movie from like in the depths of history that does a choreographed dance scene that all these films are homaging to because um what's the other one Ex Machina has one too yeah and does does her? I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think not so. an explicit dance sequence. Um, I mean, dancing also alludes you to a time and place, which is also like in these science fiction movies. I think has some, says something, you know. Yeah, that's true. You could argue that two thousand one, a movie that is kind of about AI, has these like long. We're listening to the Blue Danube and the ships are spinning and doing <laughs> stuff like those are kind of dance. They're not like humans dancing, but they're like mm-hmm. po- they're images of their cinematic images of, you know. That's true. Music well, being like the main driving force. Yeah. Well, if you know the answer, yeah, you can send it um, right right on the back of a twenty dollar bill, <laughs> and uh, mail it to our our house. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Do you want to move on to the mailbag? Yeah. We should have a sound effect to move on to the mailbag. No, I don't have one. Sorry. Okay, well, we tried. Um, I don't know how you say this their name, um, but it's maybe Lee the L. Lethal, I don't know. It's the in French, English, and Spanish, but Lee the L. The Lee the L. Okay, go Lee. Lee the L says, "Listen to your, uh, just listen to your episode with Taja Sabri." Uh, what do you think is the most important thing to was the f- most important thing to working with actors? I feel like we've gotten this question before. Yeah, <laughs> it's a common question. Um, 
I think that just like listening is really important to, to working with actors, listening to what they want, them listening to you, um, and also saying, I don't know. I feel there's a lot of power in saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That actually came up on a, a future episode of the podcast about saying, I don't know, on a film oh. set. It's, on, it's very empowering. Yeah, it's you, not- don't, you don't need to know everything. You can be humble and <laughs> honest <clears throat> and transparent. I mean, what do you think the most important thing about working with actors is? Um, I mean, you do it more than I do because you direct actors more than I do. But I do think it goes both ways. Just openness and like open mindedness. And um, since we're talking specifically about actors, like having an actor come in the room and be like, yes, trust. I you've made it so I can trust you and I'm going to trust you. And this is a safe space. And like we can be open and work together and I'm not going to like neither of you are going to hold on to any of the things that you know stubbornly in a way like you're just going to like you're going to work together in an open way Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, I think that gets the best results and it gives you know the happiest on set vibe too like it's a hard hard job to be an actor and you're really vulnerable and you're out there in front of everyone and you have to do it over and over again and you have to make it seem real. <laughs> and I think that is really important too, is realizing how vulnerable actors have to be. Mm-hmm. So if like the actor and the director and other members of the cube, but crew, but specifically, are in sync and kind of, or mostly in sync, they trust each other, you can get a really good you know, product out of that simply because you know there's mutual we all want to make this thing great and we're not doing it alone we're doing it together and it's okay to be scared and not know everything but we're in it together right i think that's yeah that's really important yeah i think uh that was a that was a good mailbag thanks lethal pretty good lethal wonder if lethal thinks leave the l you should be like you should work with actors with an iron fist. You yeah. should make them cry and intimidate them. And play mind games. <laughs> All right, well. Don't do that. I hope I didn't go too hard on this film because I really did like it. I did like it too. All right. Well, as if from nowhere, the outro music has begun and it's time for us to go on to another adventure. Um, another adventure into the sunset. So thank you again for watching. My name's Andrew. I'm Teresa. Bye. Bye.